In Romans chapter 14, beginning with verse 1, it says this, Accept him whose faith is weak, without quarreling, without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows him to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats uh, everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servant stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another person considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever meets eat, whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever restrains uh, does so to the Lord, or abstains does so to the Lord, and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to ourselves alone, and none of us dies to ourselves alone. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. This is the word of the Lord. Our sermon today is actually um, a a unique topic, and um, it's one that... hmm, we got to, we, as we're putting Valley Baptist Church, as we're kind of thinking and deciding and figuring out how God is going to lead us and where He's going to take us, it might be one of these most significant passages to us. It's one that kind of deals with a topic I don't actually like. Um, <clears throat> some of you guys um, don't really mind conflict. I am a conflict avoider. Anybody the avoider types, right? If there is conflict, I'm going the other way. I, I just, I don't like conflict. I, I, I've never have. And in the, Romans 14, the Apostle Paul talks about disputable matters. Disputable matters. We just read that passage of the first nine verses anyway. What do churches have conflict about? Some of you guys have been in church life a long time. For me, it's been my whole life. And there have been fights and feuds and all kinds of things. Sometimes churches have disagreements about doctrines. Some of them essential doctrines. Some of them sort of minor ones. A lot of times churches have disagreements over policies, procedures, how things are done. Sometimes churches have conflict about leaders and leadership and who's going to be the leaders. Sometimes we have conflict over personalities and our own pride. Sometimes it's the money and the finances. What, where are we going to spend the money? Is it on the youth group or is it on the new paint job that we needed on the, on, in the gym or something? Not, not the same, we need a paint job. Okay, but, but you know what I'm saying. Have you ever had conflict over what the pastor wears? Have you ever had conflict about what the pastor wears? <clears throat> I, I came from a church where the college ministry pastor, and I'm a college minister, right? I, I like college ministers. They're my, my, my people. But the college minister pastor got promoted to the lead pastor. But you see, the outfit he wore to be the pastor of the college ministry church, you know, the shorts, the flip-flops, ball cap sometimes, 
All of a sudden, he's in the senior pastor role, and he's kind of still showing up in the ball cap, the uh, shorts, and the... I said, buddy, I'm just telling you, it's not because I'm old, but I'm just telling you that might not fly. You need to kind of maybe alter your dress. Today, I showed up in a tie. I actually was a little later than I wanted because it took me five times today. Actually, only three to get it right, get the tie the right length. But then I realized I hadn't shaved and I had to start over. I was going to wear this. So much more comfortable. So much easier to just put on. It's actually a special shirt to me. Um, uh, 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 One of my former college students, as an immigrant, her mother made this shirt for me because we were taking care of her daughter. And is it nice enough to wear on a Sunday morning? Now, I didn't, and I'm not going to, because honestly, this has become associated with some political movements that, that are not okay. But here's the deal. I wore this shirt at a wedding. I was performing the wedding. I was the minister. There it is. I mean, you probably see the picture up there. Um, I was performing a wedding, and this was not one of those, like, you know, quick little weddings. This is a big one. This was on one of the big hotels, Waikiki. I'm, I don't know how much this cost, uh, but let me tell you, it wasn't cheap. This was a gigantic wedding uh, for the two. The couple was from Hawaii. Uh, both both uh, individuals were from there, and their families were there. I was like, do you want me to wear a suit? Do you want, I have this Hawaiian shirt. I was like, that's a beautiful shirt. You can wear that. And I was like... Okay. I mean, I'm on the beach. I'm thinking, you bet. I was excited. I mean, so it was a very formal, very expensive wedding. I'm wearing an Aloha shirt. Do you wear your best for the Lord? What, 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 does, it, what does it mean? Can, can you really? Does God care about what you wear? You can very quickly see this could be easily a disputable matter. I was raised, you wear your Sunday best. Anybody hear those things? But as I got older, I realized I'm not so sure God cares what we wear. I think God wants us in his presence. Right? Okay. Look at Romans 14.1. Accept him whose faith is weak without quarreling of over disputable matters. Disputable matters. Okay. That verse right away tells us something. There are disputable matters. The Roman church, Paul, the apostle, was writing to a church he had not met with, um, he had not seen before. He's writing to the Roman church, and, and he knew that they had key issues they needed to discuss. Some were doctrinal. And most of the book of Romans is about key Christian doctrines. But you see, some of the things that had come up in the Roman church that was a mixture of Jews and Gentiles, people from all kinds of nations, Different socioeconomic strata, the very wealthy to those who are still trapped in slavery. The church had become one people and conflict and disagreement arose. They were, they were talking about dietary restrictions. What can you eat? What can you not eat? Which day are you supposed to worship? For those who came from the Jewish tradition, there were very clear laws in the Old Testament about what you could eat and what you could not eat. Can't eat pork, can't eat shellfish, you can't eat... There were certain things you weren't supposed to eat. And some were even saying, look, Adam and Eve, it seemed like they were eating just vegetables at first. Maybe we should go back to that. Do you worship on the Sabbath? You know, Friday to Saturday. This is a lasting ordinance. Friday to Saturday, not just Sunday, but Friday to Saturday. I wonder if Chick-fil-A knew that, if they would close on Saturday instead. I don't, I don't know. Drinking alcohol. That actually pops up. That actually pops up. Verse 2. Look at what Paul says. 
one's faith, person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. What does that tell me? I've got strong faith because I love food and I love all kinds of food, right? Is that, is that, no, no, that's not what he's saying. Look at verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in their own mind. They were arguing over which day are you supposed to worship? Was it Saturday? Is it Sunday? Is it every day? Verse 21. He says, look, it's better not to eat meat or drink wine. Drinking alcohol was a conflict issue. Or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. They had a lot of issues of conflict. Well, I've got true truths for you today. Truth number one that we need to take from this passage is that not everything is a disputable matter. Now, we just saw that there are some. But not everything is a disputable matter. Look at verse 22. In verse 22 of Romans 14, at the very end, he says, Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. In our world today, in a world where things are kind of relativistic to our cultures or our backgrounds or our individual wants and desires, sometimes we're quick to just say, Oh, that's your generation. Oh, that's just your culture. Oh, that's just the way, that's just your opinion, but I've got mine. Not everything is a disputable matter. God has given us some truths, some truths that are doctrinal. Jesus Christ died for sins. Three days later, he was buried, and three days later, he rose again. This is not in dispute for those who call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. But also, certain lifestyle choices are not up for debate. All the way through, the scripture is consistent about sexuality. It just is. It's a big one in our culture. It's one we debate, but here's the deal. Sex is reserved. It's created for, uh, it's to enhance marriage between a man and a woman. That's just one of the things that's not really up for debate in the Scripture. It's all the way through. It's consistent. But here's the deal. There are lots of things that are disputable matters. So as a church and as a people of God, I've got to be honest, we've got to be clear about what the Scripture is clear about. And we need to probably be vague and have a lot of wiggle room for the things that the Scripture is not clear about. Clear, where the Scripture is absolutely clear. And we need to have a lot of grace and a lot of flexibility and a big tent for everybody to fit where we're just, they're disputable matters. Occasionally we are unclear about what's clear and what's not clear. (laughs) Those are the ones that are the especially problematic. We are unclear, because, I mean, I clearly think this is it, and you clearly think that's it, and we clearly, okay. When When it's like that, it probably means that it's an unclear. It probably means that it's a disputable matter. If everybody is truly yielding to the Lordship of Jesus. Um, and we need to be humble about that. Well, we're not spending a lot of time there because what we're actually looking at today is how do we deal with these ones that are unclear? And that's what we're going to focus on. Truth number two. Now, this is going to surprise you. And I want you to actually, I mean, this would be one of those ones that you kind of write, almost like take notes of. There are absolute principles from Romans 14 and 15, but absolute principles on how to deal with the disputable matters. Okay. Now, I just finished grading my ethics exams. The Apostle Paul would get an A on this. 
Because let me tell you, so much in like ethics and like great ethical thinkers and throughout history, they either want to say that, oh, it's absolute, absolutist, right? This is the way. You never lie. Lying is always wrong. Like in Immanuel Kant and categorical imperative. Does that ring a bell to anybody? I'm getting some people going, don't even, what are you, what are you doing? Okay, okay. In ethics, there are people that are, that are, that are absolutists. This is how it always is. And then there are those that are the relativists or the situationalists. It, it always depends on the situation. Look at what the Apostle Paul does. It's, it's quite frankly, quite brilliant. He says, no, 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 no. There are absolute principles on how to deal with the things that are iffy and disputable. The things that can vary. But there's some absolute principles. Well, what in the world are these absolute principles? Well, Jesus kind of actually frames them up for us. You know this, right? Matthew 22, Jesus says the greatest commandment. When he's asked what is the greatest commandment, he says this. It's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He says this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, quoting from this Old Testament, from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and from Leviticus, he says, it's love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. Those two absolute fundamentals actually frame up all that Paul is going to discuss in Romans 14. We don't have time to discuss them all. But let me help frame it up and use Jesus' frame to show you the key, some key points. Number one, there are some loving God principles. There are some loving God principles. The very first one is you need to stop being judgmental. Okay, I need to stop being judgmental. You know what judgmental is, right? It's not making a judgment. We make a judgment about what's right and wrong. That's not what he's talking about. In fact, in the book of... One of the Corinthian letters. Okay, First uh, Corinthians. I think I'm thinking First Corinthians. In the Corinthian letters, the Apostle Paul talks about the spiritual man makes judgment about all things. So we are called to make judgments about is this right, is this wrong. But being judgmental is saying you're a bad person. Something's just wrong with you. <laughs> you're not the kind of person I want to. You know, you're making the judgment about the person. Look at what Paul says in Romans chapter 14, verse 4. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, they stand or fall. And, and they are, will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. When we are interacting as Christians, we don't quickly put this label on, well, I don't like that interim pastor. He just isn't that good of a guy. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can say, I don't really like his tie. Or I don't, I don't think he handled that situation correctly. That's a different thing. Don't be judgmental. Jesus said it in Matthew chapter 7. Don't judge, or you too will be judged. For in the way you judge others, not judge what they do, in the way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. Now, why is this a loving God principle? Why is this a, it sounds like it's a loving other principle. No, actually, this one's a loving God principle. Why? Well... People are made in the image of God. These are people who, for whom Christ died. These are the ones that, uh, as Aaron reminded us, they, they were the one, uh, just like we were the one, that God left the 99 sheep to pursue the one. They are loved by God. They are adored by the King. They are, they are ones that He sent His Son to die for. We've got to realize that people are created in God's image. They are loved by Him, and they are His desired treasure. 
And if we treat them as, they're just not my kind of people. (laughs) They are the Lord's kind of people. And you better, you are on the wrong side of that one. Okay? We love God by loving what He loves. Number two, another loving God principle that we find in Romans 14 is that you should act only on things that you are sure that you're sure that you're sure that you're sure about if it's disputable. If it's truly disputable. If there are really two sides of this deal, then you, you just can't draw your line in the sand. Don't jump out there if, if you're not sure. If you're like, gosh, they raised a good issue there. Ah, well, I'm going to do it anyway. No, 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 no. Look what he says. Verse 5. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. If you are fully convinced that you should not work on the Sabbath, don't do it. I had a friend of mine, he talked me into raising the roof of our house in New York. You know, not like, woohoo, let's have a good time. No, not not kind of raising the roof. He he, he meant like we literally put a dormer in it. We're lasering the roof. And there was this day, we got the roof all torn off. That was the easy part. And then we were started to put in the, you know, the big framing it up. And there were these storms coming. I could see them. I'm thinking, we're going to be in trouble. God was gracious. It didn't rain. But I was nervous because we had to get a roof on there. Because it was just, I mean, we have, we have no roof on our house, right? I mean, it's just this big, empty open. You can see the stars. You can sleep out under the stars in my bedroom. Oh, this is not a good thing. I said, all right, I'll see you tomorrow after church. He's like, oh, no, no, I don't work on Sundays. I'm like, what do you mean you don't work on Sundays? We've we got to get the roof on. He's like, I, I just don't. That's just not the kind. I'm like, you're a minister. You work every Sunday. I said, I don't work on Sundays. That's just not the kind of work I do. He, he was fully convinced. And for him, I, I, he, he needed not to do it. And I'm convinced you can go and mow the yard on Sunday. Okay, maybe I shouldn't say that. offend you. But I'm convinced I can do it. I don't think Jesus is mad at me if I finish church today and go mow the yard. I got mine done yesterday, but just in case you're upset. But I, I don't think it's a big deal. I want to worship the Lord every day. But for some of you, if that's a, a way you worship Jesus, then don't, don't let anybody talk you into mowing the yard on Sunday. Look at verse 23. Whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that doesn't come from faith is sin. Here's the illustration. Can going to the movies be bad? Well, I'm sure if it's a bad movie. Um, and I'm not talking about bad like it's not that good, but... I was at a conference. You know, I just came back from a conference. But this was the same kind of conference, but it was years ago. Back in 2000-something, two, maybe, 2003. Somewhere in there. And for some reason, afterwards, nobody was doing anything. It was like, usually you hang out and you talk and, and get together, but nobody wanted to do anything. I was like, well, what am I going to do? I'm stuck here by myself. I don't want to just go sit in my hotel room or something. This seems really a waste of time. So, you know, I'd go see a movie. What had come out that year? A remake of H.G. Wells' Time Machine. I mean, there was a 1960 version, but this is the 2002 version. Not that good of a movie, got to be honest. <laughs> but it wasn't like a bad movie. But I remember asking one of the guys, hey, you want to go with me to this movie? And you know what statement? He, he said, I, I don't know anything about that movie. And here's the deal. To honor my wife, I, I, I just, I don't, I, I can't go. Well, it's a H.G. Wells 19... I mean, there's this some kind of... A, there's nothing wrong with this movie. And he's like, yeah, but I, I just haven't reviewed it. And I always make sure to honor my wife. I don't want to go to a movie that might have some kind of a bad scene in it or something like that. No, it didn't. 
But just in case he was unsure, he's like, I- I'm not going to go. Interesting. It's a loving God principle, right? To, he loved his wife so much, he put her that he wouldn't even like risk it. Sometimes that's how we need to approach these things that we're unsure about. If we're unsure, hey God, just in case, I, 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 I don't want to risk it. I don't want to do anything that would dishonor you. It's how we love the Lord. Well, there's also some loving others principles that you find. And you need to spend some time in Romans 14. But there's some loving others principles. The first one is clear. Don't be a stumbling block. Look at verse uh, 13. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put a stumbling block or obstacle in the path of another person. Okay, what is he talking about? What is this stumbling block? What is this obstacle in somebody else's path? Well, it's when what you do might be something that you're trying to tempt them into to something that they're not convinced about or they're unsure about or would hurt their relationship with God. That's the stumbling block. In verse four, uh, in verse chapter tw- uh, Romans 14, chapter 20, it says the same thing. Don't destroy the work of God for food. All food is clean, Paul says. But it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Okay, so here's the situation. You had the Jewish believers who were convinced that, look, God gave us some dietary laws. We're not supposed to eat shellfish. We're not supposed to eat pork. These things are out of bounds. You had the Gentile Gentile Christians who didn't come from that Jewish background saying, pass the lobster, (laughs) pass the crab meat. I mean, the crab cakes are up. (laughs) And and they're like, guys, you're missing out. The crab cakes are delicious. They're like, no, 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 no. Come on. It's not, we're Christians here. You don't have to follow these rules. Come on. It becomes the stumbling block. You may have different views on alcohol. I'll tell you, this is why I choose not to drink. I work with college students. It's illegal for them, most of them. But here's the, that doesn't seem to really matter. But here's the deal. I don't want to be somebody's excuse. Well, Pastor Mike drinks, so we can go to the bars and do this or this, or I can go to this party and do these risky behaviors. I'm not going to be your excuse. I don't need it. I'm not going to do it because I'm not going to be a stumbling block. I'm not going to be your excuse, and nor am I going to try to get you to do something that you in your conscience would violate your conscience. But here's what's so crazy. He was right. Jesus, in fact, declares all food clean. We see that in Mark chapter 7. He says, not what goes into a man that makes him unclean. It's what comes out. Jesus said, all food. It basically is clean. We're told that in the New Testament. So the Apostle Paul's actually right on this issue. So what was his job? To make sure everybody who couldn't get to the right place and who wasn't thinking right, that he would correct them all because he's an apostle. No, he just says, look, if it's violating your conscience, don't do it. And in fact, if it's violating your conscience, when I'm around you, I'm not going to do it either. Huh. For he says in verse 21, it's better not to eat, drink, eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause a brother or sister to stumble. Don't be a stumbling block. Number two, the other loving others principle is this. Only do what builds up the body. Look at verse 19. Let us therefore make every effort to lead to peace and mutual edification. So what, verse 22, so whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. 
Now, that doesn't mean we can't have discussions about it, but it means it's probably not the thing that we ought to be, okay, every day at church we're going to bring up the disputable matters so we can argue again. Do everything without arguing and complaining. Whew. Well, what if you're right? Like, what if you're really right? Like, you're right about this, and the other person really is wrong, right? I mean, that's, that, I, I like being right. I'm a philosophy person. We like to argue. Um, I, I don't like conflict, but I don't mind, like, debating, right? And so what if I'm right? Well, Paul has this concept of strong and weak faith. Strong and weak faith. He says in chapter 15, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. Even if I'm right, even if it's you're like, you kind of are thinking, oh, I can't eat meat or I can't eat uh, shellfish or I can't eat pork. That's really, you're wrong about that. But, okay, I'm going to bear with the failings of the weak. I, I, even though my faith allows me to eat everything and I'm convinced that all food is clean, I'm not going to go down this road. I'm not going to go down this road. I'm not going to put the pressure on you. I'm going to bear with the failings. Now, you guys are thinking, I, I know what you're thinking. Governor Hogan and I coordinated this because your transition team has got a plan about returning to the sanctuary. And then Governor Hogan, like, made this, and we all like, okay, this, hopefully this will get through, we'll do this. And then Governor Hogan says, okay, now restrictions are off. And we're like, oh my goodness, we just, okay, okay. Because, um, you know, a lot of the issue was, right, that we can fit more people in the sanctuary, but we can't fit more people and keep six feet apart. And we're, you're trying to make all the puzzle pieces fit together, and it's been tricky. It's been tricky. So now what do we do about masks? See, that's a little point of contention, right? It's been a point of contention. We don't like them. Does anybody like them? I don't like Maybe you like them. Maybe you're like, you know, some of you guys, this is blessing me because you're not that good looking anyway. Keep the mask on. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you like them. Maybe you have some weird reasons. But here's the truth. I don't like them, and most of us don't like them. I don't want to wear them anymore. And now that Governor Kogan said we don't have to, yippee, they're all coming off, right? But there's people who can't get vaccinated. Maybe they're too young. And maybe some of our parents, and maybe parents of visitors, would be a little bit uncomfortable coming. Now, <clears throat> I'm not the scientist. I'm, I'm calling on Henry. <laughs> Henry, where are you? <laughs> He's online. Um, hey, uh, how, much, how much viral load can a, can a uh, non-infected, can a person who's fully vaccinated pass on to someone who's not? And we can argue about this. And we might, I might be right that it's okay that I don't need the mask around a child, but maybe I'm wrong, but it's not my child. Here's the thing. Guys, we need to be loving. First to God, but also to each other. How does that apply to masks? Well, let me confess. I knew the rule was don't sing. That was our rule originally, because that kind of spread stuff. But I'm like, I got my mask. I'm sitting on the front row. I'm, I'm, I'm shooting my stuff viral load this direction. All of you guys are behind me. I, I like to sing. Can't I just sing? You know, the truth of the matter is, that was wrong with me. I was thinking I was right, but I wasn't thinking about anybody who that might make it uncomfortable. We're going to work out what our rules are going to be coming up. You need to be loving to your transition team. Whatever the rules are, don't make them have to be the police with you. Just follow the rules. But here's the other thing, and this really isn't about how when we get back together, but this is how I'm going to be in the world. I'm going to carry my mask with me. I'm going to carry my mask with me. I mean, 
from now until I don't know when. But I'm going to carry my mask with me. Because every person I meet, I don't know if they're comfortable or uncomfortable. And I need to, before I get closer than six feet, I'm going to pull out my mask and say, hey, are you more comfortable with me having the mask? I'm just going to do that everywhere. I'm just going to do that everywhere. Whether I'm going to a store, whether I'm going to church, wherever I'm at, I'm going to say, hey, let me bear with you and what you believe. I got what I believe, but let me bear with you and what you believe. Valley Baptist Church, our big hallmark is we love each other. We talked about the prayer meetings, we talked about everything else, but here's how we love one another. One way is by carrying our mask. How do we love each other as our church? Well, you saw it on there, right? We're going to love God, and let's follow the principles in loving God. But let's love each other. Why do we do this? <laughs> because even Jesus did not look out to his own interests, but to ours. He came to this place. He died for our sins. He rose again so that we might have eternal life. If you don't know Jesus today, if you've never decided to follow him, would you say yes to Jesus? He died for you. And would all of you make that commitment to love each other, to love one another, putting others' needs before your own? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word today and the guidance that it gives. Lord, help us be those who love one another sincerely and deeply from the heart. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind towards each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. May he be with you, fill you with his love all this week. Go in peace.